You're listening to Brains On, where we're serious about being curious. Brains On is supported in part by a grant from the National Science Foundation. I got that bone, bone, pow, those skulls be checking my style. Is that a singing skeleton? Oh, yeah. He talks, too. It's our resident skeleton, Mr. Bone Jangles. I'll introduce you. Hey, Mr. Bone Jangles, this is my pal, Siddharth. Pleasure to meet you. You bet your bone marrow the pleasure is all yours. The name's Jangles. Mr. Bone Jangles to you. What are you up to, Mr. Bone Jangles? And where did this pile of bones come from? Well, you see, in addition to being a singing skeleton extraordinaire, I'm also a bit of a bone collector. This is my selection. Whoa, I've never seen this many bones before. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Well, you see, that's the problem. I don't have room for all of these in my bone schler pad. Not with my limited edition pet rocks and closet full of tap shoes. So it's time to pare down. But how are you going to decide? Oh, I've been really into Marie Con bone lately. She's all the rage in osteo-organization. You see... I have such a vast collection of bones, but I have to figure out which sparks joy. This frog femur? Femur? More like clutter, am I right? Yeah, I think you can let this one go. Oh, frog femur, thank you for the memories. Ibiza was wild. Although it's our time to part, I'll never forget you. Next! Oh, I've got to keep the spare rib, you know, in case of emergencies. You're listening to Brains On from APM Studios. I'm your host, Molly Bloom, and today I'm joined by Siddharth from Houston, Texas. Hi, Molly. We are so happy to have you here, especially because we're talking about dinosaurs, something you know a lot about. So I'm just wondering, how did you get interested in dinosaurs? So I first got interested in dinosaurs when I lived in Switzerland, where my mom got me this big dinosaur book that I took around with me everywhere. Oh, awesome. Did it have really cool illustrations? Yeah. Do you have a favorite dinosaur? Um, yes, I have a favorite dinosaur called Struthiomimus. It is like um, it's like six foot tall ostrich-like dinosaur. Cool. What else can you tell me about it? it? It is most likely feathered. It is a complete omnivore. It eats basically everything. It is the fastest dinosaur ever. How did that one become your favorite? Um, because I'm actually also extremely interested in birds and mm. bird watching. So, um, this, the Struthiomimus literally means ostrich mimic. Oh, very cool. Yeah, dinosaurs are bird ancestors, which is so cool. Would you want to meet a dinosaur in real life if you could? I would like to, but I think my friend Jackson is more interested in meeting a dinosaur than I am. I'm, I like finding about them from a safe point. <laughs> You're like, I'm not sure what would happen if I met one, so let's just read about them from the cool books I have. Do you guys talk about dinosaurs a lot? Yes, very often. What do you guys talk about when you are talking dinosaurs? Um, different species and genuses, like classifying things, like what are their diet, like what is your favorite dinosaur from blah, blah, blah family. What are some of your favorite families of dinosaurs to talk about? Um, ornithomimids, um, hadrosaurs, sauropods, and dromaeosaurids. Excellent. Well, today we're talking about a sauropod. It's not just about any old sauropod. We're talking about one of the most iconic. The Brontosaurus. Brontosaurus were giant four-legged dinosaurs that roamed the Earth about 150 million years ago. 
And since they're sauropods, this means they had big tails, long necks, and small heads. Brontosaurus are also herbivores, which means they ate plants. But brontos are also the subject of a lot of arguments. That's what listener Tosh was curious about. He wrote in and asked, Is it true that the brontosaurus never existed? And if so, how did the theory that they existed come about? I love this question. Me too. It's not that those sauropod dinosaurs, the ones we know as brontosauruses, didn't exist. Yeah, we found their skeletons, but maybe they were just given the wrong name. Dinosaurs are some of the only animals that we call by their scientific names. And Siddharth, I know you love thinking about these names, right? Yeah, a lot. What is your favorite dinosaur name? Um, can I say two? Yeah, please. So Micropachycephalosaurus is one of them. It's, it's the longest dinosaur name, and it means tiny, thick-headed lizard. <laughs> I like that one a lot, too. And my second favorite is Rajasaurus, which means king of lizards. But I don't like it because what it means, I like it because it's actually a combination of Sanskrit and, I think, Greek. So, cool. And, like, it's one of the few dinosaur names that is not only just Greek and Latin. So Raja is Sanskrit. Yeah, for king. For king. Well, all animals have a scientific name, not just dinosaurs. For example, pet dogs are Canis lupus familiaris. Cats are Felis catus. These names help us organize different creatures and understand how they're all related to each other, whether we're talking plants, animals, or fungi. Like maybe you've heard of Homo sapiens. That's the scientific name for humans. Most of these names come from Latin or Greek, like you said. Scientists took pieces of these other languages to create new words. So, for example, brontosaurus. In Greek, bronto means thunder and saurus means lizard. So some scientists thought that was a good name for such an enormous, heavy beast. Thunder lizard, so metal! I wonder why we only call dinosaurs by their scientific names. How do scientists decide on names anyway? Who gets to pick? Those are all great questions. Allow me to enlighten you, my friend. Ah! Ah! Who are you? Why, the ghost of Carl Linnaeus, of course. Swedish botanist, organizational genius, and best in the naming business since 1735. The man with the plan to name all living things on Earth. I developed an ingenious system called taxonomy. Not to be confused with taxidermy. That, my friends, is the art of stuffing and preparing dead animals for display. Taxonomy is a way to classify living creatures, to put them in organized groups so we can understand how all life forms are related to one another. It's quite brilliant, really, if I do say so myself. Organizing life forms, not stuffing them, or asking them to pay taxes, or riding taxi cabs. That would make them taxidermied taxpayers keeping an eye on the taximeter. Good one. Why, thank you. I do like a bit of wordplay, I must say. If I may continue, here is how taxonomy works. Pick an animal. Any animal. Um, a duck. A mallard duck. You know the ones where the males have those cool green heads? Excellent. My system works by assigning categories to living things based on their physical characteristics. There are seven major categories to go from big to small. Each category fits into the next biggest one until they all fit inside the largest one. Like nesting dolls? It's actually more like how you can have a whole country, and then inside that country is a city, and inside the city is a neighborhood. Precisely. 
And then in that neighborhood is a house, and then in that house, a, a room. In that room is a bed, and on that bed is a pillow. The largest category, the country, holds all the smaller ones. And as the categories get smaller and smaller, the animals are more closely related to each other. The names for these categories from largest to smallest are... Kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genus, and species. Kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genus, and species? That's a lot to keep track of. Don't worry, I wrote a little ditty to help you remember. Oh, life on Earth's a puzzle, but we understand the pieces. Thanks to kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genus, species. Now you try. Kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genus, species. Excellent. So let's start with the biggest possible category, kingdom. What kind of living thing is a duck? A plant, an animal, or a fungus? Definitely an animal. Indeed. And so we start by putting the duck in the right kingdom, or the country, as Siddharth cleverly said. The kingdom for animals is called Animalia. Precisely. All animals are part of the category Animalia. Okay, so next comes the kingdom phylum. Phylum, how do we figure that out? We look at another big clue for understanding how animals are related. The backbone. Does the duck have a spine? Let me see. Uh, Yep, backbone confirmed. Then the duck goes into the phylum called data for all animals with a backbone. So, we're in the country Animalia and in the city of Cordata. So that means animals who don't have a spine don't go to Backbone City. Jellyfish and worms be gone. No backbone means a different phylum. You can find them in their very own, very squishy city. Okay, I get it. So next is the neighborhood. That's class, and that goes inside phylum and kingdom. So what class is a duck? I went with the Latin word for bird, avis. All my categories are based on words in Latin or ancient Greek. Because in my day, many scientists knew both of those languages. So researchers from all over the world could talk to one another without pesky language differences getting in the way. So birds are animals with backbones, warm blood, feathers, and beaks. But there's so many different kinds of animals that are birds. So we'd keep categorizing. We found the duck's neighborhood, so let's go find its house. I love your enthusiasm, Siddharth. You're really catching on. I call this category the order, but house is easier to picture. Ducks have webbed feet, a bill, a long neck, and preference for a watery habitat. So this friend fits into the waterfowl house. It's full of ducks, geese, swans, and other birds. What a fun neighborhood. Over there is another house full of robins and owls. And across the street is the penguin house. Hi, guys. But today we're heading to the waterfowl house. Let's find your room, ducky. Yes, the next smallest category is family. Ducky is sharing a bedroom with geese and swans, since they are closely related. Yes, I know geese do poop a lot, but at least you're not sharing a bed with them. Yes, the genus and species are the most important. The bed and the pillow. 
Right, all the ducks share a genus, so they sleep in one bed together, but they each get their very own custom pillow, their own scientific name. Our mallard duck here is called Anas Platyrinkos. Cool. So that name sets mallard ducks apart from all the other animals. So why do we use duck for a duck and pig for a pig and yak for a yak, but we call dinosaurs by their scientific names? Well, common names like duck and pig are what humans called animals for thousands of years. Long before I invented the system of classification and long before humans knew what dinosaurs were. By the time we started finding dino bones, though, it was cool to use scientific names. So that's what we called those dinos. So let's sing my song one more time, shall we? It's a real banger. Oh, life on Earth's a puzzle, but we understand the pieces. Thanks to Kingdom Phylum Class, Order, Family, Genus, Species. Kingdom Phylum Class, Order, Family, Genus, Species. Wow, thanks, Ghost of Carl Linnaeus. That's a pretty cool system you invented. I think so, too. Well, ah, would you look at the time. It's been a pleasure, Sir Darth and Molly. I'm late to haunt the Natural History Museum. Ooh, Molly. What's up, Mr. Bone Jangles? Is it time? Uh, time for what? The secret noise. Secret noises and jazz hands. Secret noise. Oh, yeah. Okay, yes. It is time for the Mysterium Sonus, also known as the... Here it is. Um, to me, that sounded like somebody turning, like, on a stove or something, mm. or, like, an airplane taking off. But I heard, like, I heard, like, I don't know, like a bird or something squawking. And so, uh, I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of things happening there. Okay, so I think, so you heard something rumbly, maybe, which I think is what you're thinking the plane taking off is, right? Yeah. Maybe the, maybe they're talking, maybe they're like cooking a live chicken or something, <laughs> and the chicken is the one that's squawking in anger. Maybe. <laughs> Possibly. Possibly. Um, you really like birds, though, so I understand why like your, your mind went to birds right away. Do you want to hear it one more time? Yes, please. Okay, let's hear it again. Wait, no. I got it. It sounds like somebody wiping windows on a very windy day. Oh, I like that. That's a really good guess. I know that secret noise anywhere. Definitely two frozen hot dogs banging together. I'm certain. Hmm, could be. All right, then. You'll have another chance to guess, and we'll hear the answers after the credits. We're working on an episode all about spectacular space facts. Facts that are so spectacular, we want to hear you sing about them. We'd love to hear your intergalactic space jingles. A jingle is a short, little catchy song. Did someone say jangles? Mr. Bone Jangles, we actually said jingles. Oh, Mr. Bone Jangles loves a jingle. Can you sing one about space? Uh, Let me give it a shot. I've never been, but uh, let me try it. 
Space is cool, except the sun. Space is cool, it's so much fun. Space is cool, even for a skeleton. Woo, woo, said Hearth, would you like to try? Uh, can I spend like a little time coming up with it? Yes, absolutely. Um, do you want to see a galaxy light years away? And use a telescope, but not during the day. Bravo! We didn't even practice. Listeners, record your jingle and send it to us at brainson.org slash contact. While you're there, you can also send us your mystery sounds, drawings, or questions, like this one. Why do my fingers get wrinkly in the water? We'll answer that on our show, Moment of Um. So subscribe to that wherever you listen to Brains On. Just search for Moment of Um. Moment of Um? More like Moment of Fun. And keep listening. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org slash academy. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org slash academy. are listening to Brains On from APM Studios. I'm Molly. And I'm Siddharth. And we're back to talk about Brontosaurus, the giant, long-necked, long-tailed dinosaurs. And if they even existed at all. We've learned a little bit about taxonomy and how scientists go about naming things, like dinosaurs. Right. Each creature gets sorted into different categories. And it's this sorting and naming that got us all confused about Brontos. Here to help explain this Bronto brouhaha, it's science writer and brontosaurus enthusiast, Riley Black. So we can trace a lot of our sort of most famous and most charismatic dinosaurs in particular, you know, many other forms of fossil life, but dinosaurs especially, to the Bone Wars. The Bone Wars was a time in the late 1800s when paleontologists, people who studied dinosaurs and other ancient life, were digging up lots and lots of fossils. Fossils are when bones or other remains from a living thing are preserved in rock or sediment. And there were these two paleontologists who really wanted to discover the most fossils. Their names were Edward Drinker Cope and Othniel Charles Marsh. Were they a team? Well, the two started out as friends. At first, they were such good buddies that they even named fossils they discovered after each other. But they got so competitive that eventually they turned into enemies. They started accusing each other of spying, tried to embarrass one another, and even destroyed fossils so the other one couldn't claim them. Whoa! Yeah, it was bananas. If you want to hear more about it, Forever Ago is doing a whole episode on the Bone Wars. You can check it out at foreverago.org. It's going to be out on October 12th. But one of these guys, Marsh, found a fossil of this long-necked dinosaur in 1877. Hmm, long neck. 
Long tail? I'll call this Apatosaurus Ajax. And then, a few years later, Marsh found another one. This one was a little bigger than the Apatosaurus he found earlier. I think I'll call it Brontosaurus Excelsus. Right, the Thunder Lizard. And so Marsh names this dinosaur and moves on. After he died, though, another paleontologist revisited the Brontosaurus. Around 1900, there was a paleontologist named uh, Elmer Reyes who was working at the Field Museum in Chicago. And the Field Museum at the time, they wanted a big dinosaur. They wanted something that they could show off. Come on, Riggs. Think, think, think. We got to show up and show off. So Riggs went off to Colorado and started digging around for an impressive dino. And he found the back half of an animal that looked similar to an apatosaurus. So he went back and compared it to the bronto bones Marsh had collected. Hmm, what is this? Is it apatosaurus? Brontosaurus? Maybe something new? And he figured out that, you know what? Apatosaurus and brontosaurus are not different enough to deserve having different names. They might be different species of each other, but they should be the same genus. Remember, genus is a way of organizing names, so they're pretty close relatives. So they're in the same bed, just not in the same pillow. Right, like a gray wolf and domestic dog belong to the same genus called Canis. They're different species, but they share the same genus. Or like cereal and oatmeal, both grainy breakfast foods in a bowl, samesies, but different. So because the bones of Apatosaurus and Brontosaurus looked so similar, Riggs thought they must be the same genus. And since Apatosaurus was named first, he chose that name as the genus. Mm, let's stick with Apatosaurus, shall we? But Riggs made them two different species, Apatosaurus ajax and Apatosaurus excelsus. One for the original Apatosaurus that Marsh found first, Apatosaurus ajax, and one for the Brontosaurus he discovered after, Apatosaurus excelsus. So we have Apatosaurus ajax and Apatosaurus excelsus. But the thing was, a lot of museums didn't really like Apatosaurus as a name. They thought Brontosaurus was just a better name. So they just kept running with it. So, Riggs, about that brontosaurus in our museum collection? Uh, you mean apatosaurus. Tomato, tomato. Potato, potato. Apatosaurus, brontosaurus. Um, that's, that's not how this works, actually. I, well, brontosaurus it's... just has that je ne sais quoi, that pizzazz. Let's keep that name, yeah? Uh, actually... Cool talk. Okay, bye. So here's where things get a little sticky. After Riggs's observations, scientists realized Apatosaurus and Brontosaurus skeletons were too similar to have different names. Instead, they should just have one name. The scientists were Team Apatosaurus. But museums thought that Marsh's original name sounded so much cooler, so they sided with Team Brontosaurus. So in the scientific literature, no one's really using Brontosaurus anymore. But if you go to a museum, they'll say, here's a Brontosaurus skeleton. And it kind of generated a lot of confusion. Yeah, that's so confusing. And it got more confusing because the name Brontosaurus really took off. It was used in movies, logos, books, and cartoons. In the Flintstones, for example, Fred Flintstone and his pals used Bronto cranes and ate Bronto burgers. And a Pataburger doesn't quite have the same ring to it. In 1989, the U.S. Postal Service even put the Brontosaurus on a stamp. Scientists were not happy. 
postage stamps. Not really the most controversial thing out there, but of everything, it was these stamps that really caused quite the commotion among scientists. The Postal Service is really testing my patience. Yeah, we stopped using the name Brontosaurus before I was born. Calling an Apatosaurus a Brontosaurus is the work of knuckleheads. But in 2015, we got another plot twist. Ooh, I love a plot twist. A group of researchers looked at hundreds of sauropod fossils, comparing them to one another. And they concluded that actually, Brontosaurus does deserve to be its own genus, different from the Apatosaurus. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let me get this straight. So it started with Marsh saying that Brontosaurus is different from Apatosaurus, but then another paleontologist disproved that. Right. Riggs argued they were too similar and they should both be named Apatosaurus. But then the museums thought Brontosaurus was a cooler name, so they stuck with it. Yeah, but the scientists disagreed. They were still Team Apatosaurus. But then years later, more scientists looked at the bones and said Brontosaurus deserves to be its own thing? You got it. I feel like I'm getting whiplash. Is it Brontosaurus or Apatosaurus? Which is right? How do I decide? Who decides? Yeah, well, I feel one of the important things to remember about how science works in regards to Brontosaurus is that we are still not 100% sure whether Brontosaurus is a valid dinosaur name or not. We have the bones. The animal you know, definitely existed. But it's a matter of what do we call it. It's not as if these animals were you know, as different as like a flamingo and an elephant. They're so similar that it really comes down to the nitty-gritty and the systems that we put into science to navigate some of these differences. And that's an important thing to remember about science. It's always changing. It's not like we find an answer and we're done forever. We're always learning more. It's kind of like a blurry photo that's coming into focus very slowly over time. And that's the most special part of all this, is that dinosaurs are always changing. You know, week by week, new species are named. We learn new things about them. Our image of what they were like and how they lived is constantly changing. So I kind of love that, you know, I grew up with this particular image of what Brontosaurus was. But it has changed. And now, like, even if that name comes back, it's a vastly different animal than it was when I was, you know, reading books in the 1980s. And I think that's the best part of it. This is all process. It's all sort of an evolution of this animal that spans, you know, centuries at this point. So after all of that, everything is still up in the air? Yeah, scientists still aren't sure whether Bontosaurus deserves to be its own dinosaur or not. But that's what makes it so exciting. That's a good point. I mean, there's so much more to discover and learn. Exactly. And no matter what, we can all agree that dinosaurs are pretty epic. A dinosaur by any other name would still be just as awesome. Thanks for sharing with us, Riley. Thank you so much for having me on. This has been so much fun. Get ready to get organized. A ring-a-ding-ding. Are you a talking skeleton? An organized talking skeleton to you. It's your lucky day because I'm here to give your life a top to bottom makeover. Now step aside and let's get to work. Ah, uh, I don't remember signing up for this. Wait, that's my underwear drawer. Join your host, Mr. Bone Jangles, as he helps you go from total mess to ready to impress. Okay, first we have to decide what to keep and what to let go. I, I think I can get rid of this bucket hat. 
I don't really wear it anymore. Oh, but you have to keep it. It's so cute. You can't get rid of that. Oh, okay. Full of insider tips. I feel like I just have too much stuff. It's all about clear containers. Just stuff your stuff in boxes. And voila, organized. And quick tricks to tidy up. Too tired to actually sift through your things? There's so many good spots to stash your stuff. Under the bed, under the rug, inside your fish tank. Out of sight, out of mind. I have a bumper sticker that says that. As long as I don't open this door, it's fine. Now streaming on Amazon Spine. Scientists use taxonomy as a system to categorize all living things. At first, paleontologists thought Apatosaurus and Brontosaurus should be two different dinosaurs. But later, they decided they were too similar and kept the name Apatosaurus. But the name Brontosaurus stuck around because museums thought the name was cooler. Scientists still don't agree whether the name Brontosaurus should be used or not. Science is always changing as we learn new information about what we know or what we thought we knew. That's it for this episode of Brains On. This episode was produced by Molly Bloom, Rosie Dupont, Anna Goldfield, Ruby Guthrie, Mark Sanchez, and Nico Gonzalez-Whistler. Our editors are Sandin Totten and Shayla Farzan, and our executive producer is Beth Perlman. We had engineering help from Jess Berg and Jack Williams. This episode was sound designed by Rachel Brees. Special thanks to Vasuda Baradwaj, Shannon Harrison, Mickey Bloom, Taylor McCoy, and Lucas Rappel. The executives in charge of APM Studios are Chandra Kavati, Joanne Griffith, and Alex Shaffert. Brain Dawn is a nonprofit public radio program. If you like the show, there are a ton of ways you can support us. You can tell your friends about us. Go to brainzone.org and donate to the show. Once you're there, send in your drawings. Or even mystery sounds. Speaking of mystery sounds, we have to find out what it is. I'm just dying to know. <laughs> oh, good catch, Mr. Bone Jangles. Let's hear it one more time. Yeah, I'm really thinking somebody wiping windows on a rainy day because I've wiped windows with like a cloth or a napkin before. And I know like microphones, whenever they're like out in the wind, you can really hear that sound when the wind is blowing over it. That is a really great guess. Well, the answer was sent in by listener Jackson from Alabama, and it is the sound of bare feet squeaking in the sand as they run on the beach. Isn't that wild? Ooh, I just love a secret noise. At the beach. That sand? Yeah. Yeah, those are the grains of sand like rubbing together, I guess. Oh my. Isn't okay, that... I had yeah. I did not see that coming. I did not either. <laughs> that was a really hard one. I didn't know sand could sound like that. It totally sounded like the window being cleaned to me, too. Now it's time for the Brains Honor Roll. These are the incredible kids who keep the show going with their questions, ideas, mystery sounds, drawings, and high fives. Luke, Joy, Frankie, Emerson, and Jojo from Aubrey, Texas, Ryder from Denver, Colorado, Hannah from London, Ontario, Lydia from Silver Spring, Maryland, Victoria and Karina from Provo, Utah, Asa from Portland, Oregon, Ivan and Aldo from Portland, Oregon, Jane from Cumberland, Maine, Mason and Marcus from Ellicott City, Maryland, Zanna from New Bedford, Massachusetts, Lila, Aria, and Holden from Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin, Michael from Las Vegas, Josette from St. Paul, Minnesota, Zach from West Allis, Wisconsin, Leah and Elena from Manitoba, Eric and Warren from Fanwood, New Jersey, Isla and Kaya from Anchorage, Alaska, Ivan from Muskego, Wisconsin, Wally from Benin, 
Benicia, California, Cecilia from Middletown, Connecticut, Linus from Berwyn, Illinois, Mila from Georgetown, Malaysia, Kavya from Mumbai, India, Pearl from Dallas, Texas, Louis from Tucson, Arizona, Natalie and Sylvia from New Brighton, Minnesota, Alex, Catherine and Elizabeth from Arkansas, Andrew from Sunnyvale, California, Elliot from Ottawa, Coral from Petaluma, California, Helena and Ennis from Percassi, Pennsylvania, Hudson from Stoddard, Wisconsin, Mara from Portland, Maine, Ruby from Charlottesville, Virginia, Eleanor from Louisville, Texas, Olivia from Adelaide, Australia, Josh from Minneapolis, Rosalind and Joseph from Portland, Maine, Cohen from St. Louis, Isabella from Fayetteville, New York, Maggie and Lucy from Tunbridge, Vermont, Shale from Austin, Texas, Evelyn from New Jersey, Mika from Brooklyn, New York, Mira from St. Paul, Minnesota, Ozara from Kishner, Ontario, Malin from Vincennes, Oklahoma, Jacob from Torrance, California, Ms. R's fourth grade class in North Carolina, Saul from Seattle, Richard, Wesley and Anthony from North Carolina, Ellis from Jacksonville, Florida, Lucas from Princeton, Texas, Wilder and Emery from Seattle, Billy and West from Mendota Heights, Minnesota, Jamie from West Des Moines, Iowa, Maddie from New York City, Nerdine from Austin, Texas, Reed and Isla from Meadow Vista, California, Otis from Oakland, California, Ryan and Chloe from Baltimore, Henry from Eugene, Oregon, Isla from Royal Oak, Michigan, Jexy from Pawtucket, Rhode Island, Ronan James from Portland, Oregon, Samik from Mississauga, Ontario, Blakely from Beaver Dam, Wisconsin, William from McMurray, Pennsylvania, Kara from London, England, and Suhani from Portland, Oregon. We'll be back next week with more answers to your questions. Thanks for listening.